Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 768 for the 5th of November, 2021. This week, the Windows 11 start menu differs quite a bit in appearance from Windows 10. Those who want to manipulate start in Windows 11 manually can use the same procedures that worked in Windows 10. But you don't have to. Windows 11 start finally gets the operation right. In short circuits, anyone who owns a Windows computer has at least one disk drive that's formatted as NTFS. But is this the right file system for your other connected devices? I'm a fan of utility applications. You probably know that already. Recently, I encountered System Ninja, which appears deceptively simple, but comes with a lot of power, even though it's free. In spare parts, only on the website, the governor of Missouri says he wants to sue the St. Louis Post-Dispatch because the newspaper alerted the state to a security problem, waited for the state to fix it, and then printed the story. Shoppers are worried that supply chain and delivery delays will create problems with holiday gifts this year, so some started shopping in early October. And 20 years ago, iOmega's high-capacity backup disks were hot, but the market was about to start cooling. If you have Windows 11 or you've seen any articles about Windows 11, you know that the start menu differs quite a bit in appearance from what you see in Windows 10. Those who want to manipulate start in Windows 11 manually can use the same procedures that worked with Windows 10 and earlier versions, but you don't have to. Windows 11 start finally gets the operation right. The old, old start menu gave users the ability to create groups and move things around if you knew where they were in the directory structure. Windows 11's start eliminates the need to dig into the file explorer to change the menu and adds some other useful features. To modify start the hard way in Windows 10 or Windows 11, you have to visit two special folders. Start items that apply to all users are in C, Program Data, Microsoft Windows, Start Menu. Start items that are valid only in your user account are in percent app data percent Microsoft Windows start menu and app data expands to C users your username app data roaming these folders are identical whether you're using Windows 10 or Windows 11 but just don't go there Instead of doing it the hard way, I use techniques that Microsoft has baked into the operating system. The good news is that Windows 11's start is much better than Windows 10's start. The bad news is that my primary computer doesn't support Windows 11, so I see this improved interface only on a secondary computer. The overall clunkiness of the Windows 10 start menu is the primary reason that I misuse the taskbar to provide quick access to applications. Even so, start can be customized. To add an application to start, you simply open all apps, find the one you want to add, right-click it, and choose pin to start. An icon will be added to an unnamed group in start, you can then drag the icon to an existing group or hover the mouse cursor over the new unnamed group 
and click the horizontal lines at the right to edit its name. It's also possible to drag an existing icon from a group to a blank space if you want to start a new group. Windows 10 start icons have a disconcerting propensity to disappear, leaving gaps in the structure. This may be the result of application updates that aren't handled properly, and it's yet another reason that I've largely ignored Windows 10's start. Live tiles for calendar, weather applications, stock reports, and such can also be added to start. And most icons have size settings. Those multiple sizes alone make arrangements clumsy at best. So Windows 11 has a new and improved start. Start and the taskbar have always been closely related, and the relationship is even closer in Windows 11. I don't want to say that the Windows 11 taskbar is less useful than it was in Windows 10, but the Windows 11 taskbar is less useful than it was in Windows 10. It cannot be moved from the bottom of the screen. That doesn't really bother me. That's where I wanted it anyway. But some people would like it at the top or on the left or right. You can't do that anymore. And it can't have more than one row of icons. Fortunately, improvements made to start make this a lot less important. The Windows 10 start menu is clunky, and that led me to retain a little more than 100 programs and utilities pinned to the taskbar. The Windows 11 start has some functions in common with the older pre-Windows 8 start menu, and a totally different visual interface. Now it's possible to place and organize dozens of programs, utilities, and directories on Start so that the taskbar can serve its primary purpose of displaying the applications that are actually in use, and those few applications that you really want access to all the time with a single click. Adding something to Start is easy. To add a program or utility just located in Start's All Apps section, right-click it and choose Pin to Start. To add a directory, locate it using the File Explorer, right-click it, and choose Pin to Start. New items are added at the end of the pinned list in the top half of Start. Click and drag any icon to move it elsewhere in the list. You'll see dots at the right side of the screen. They reveal the length of the Start selections. And then there's the Windows 11 taskbar. I retain MailWasher Pro, File Explorer, Authy, Vivaldi, Outlook, Spotify, OneNote, and PowerShell on the taskbar right now. I suspect some of those will leave. Other application icons are added only when the applications are running. The taskbar is centered now by default, but if that bothers you, right-clicking a blank spot and then choosing Settings opens the taskbar personalization options. Choose Taskbar Behaviors, and you can change the alignment from center to left if you prefer. Toggles at the top of the Personalization tab hide or show, search, task view, widgets, and chat on the left side of the taskbar. Search is available directly on Start, so you might want to remove it from the taskbar, but retaining it allows it to show the most recent three searches when the mouse hovers over the icon. Maybe that's worth keeping it. Task view may be helpful for users who haven't mastered keyboard shortcuts, but I've removed it. The widgets icon reveals the customizable highlight panel of weather, calendar, and other useful information. You'll want this if you're a fan of widgets, otherwise maybe not. And the chat icon opens Microsoft Teams, so this is useful only if you and your friends and family have Teams accounts. 
It's also possible to specify which locations you'd like to pin at the bottom of Start. These include settings, file explorer, documents, downloads, music, pictures, videos, network, and your personal folder. There are lots of other ways to customize Start and the taskbar, and that brings me back to Start, where tips will be pinned by default. Fight the urge to remove that icon from Start or to move it to the bottom of the list. Until you're more familiar with the new capabilities in Windows 11, you'll probably find the 60 or so topics that are in there helpful. Not all new features are immediately obvious, and Microsoft created this section to make the transition smoother. While you're looking at the personalization settings for Start, you might want to enable the display of recent documents in the recommended section. That's in the lower half of Start. Change is difficult, and it's frustrating for some people. So understanding what changes have been made can help a lot. And you'll never, ever have to visit the directories that contain Start menu entries again. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, anyone who owns a Windows computer has at least one disk drive that's formatted as NTFS. But is this the right file system for other connected devices? Maybe. NTFS is shorthand for the NT file system, and NT is shorthand for new technology. So it's the new technology file system, and it dates back to Windows NT. That probably wasn't a surprise, was it? NTFS was introduced in 1993 with the release of Windows NT 3.1, so the new technology isn't exactly still new technology. Earlier file systems had substantial limitations regarding the number of files that could be saved to the disk's root directory and the maximum number of files that could be saved on the disk. FAT is an acronym for the File Allocation Table, and that's the format that Microsoft used initially for disk drives. There were three variants, FAT12, FAT16, and FAT32. The final version of the File Allocation Table specification, FAT32, had a maximum volume size of 16 terabytes with 4,096-byte sectors. Those limitations became important as disk drives became larger, the extended FAT format was introduced in 2006. It was intended for use with flash memory, such as USB flash drives and SD cards. NTFS supports hard drives up to nearly 16 exabytes, and individual file size is capped at approximately 256 terabytes. 
The boot drive in your computer might be as big as four terabytes, but it's probably one terabyte or less. And it's doubtful that any file on your computer even approaches one terabyte, much less 256 terabytes. Support for huge files and even larger disk drives is unimportant for most of us, but NTFS is a journaling file system, and that means the system writes notes about changes to a log or journal before the changes are written to the disk drive. Journaling allows the file system to revert to a previous state if something goes wrong during the write process. Volume Shadow Copy Service, or VSS, is an NTFS feature used by backup programs. It's used to backup files that are in use when the backup is running. Without VSS, files that are in use couldn't be backed up. So all of this is good, and it's not unreasonable to think that every disk drive attached to your computer should be formatted using NTFS. But NTFS isn't the only option. Several choices are available for any disk drive connected to the computer. NTFS may be the default choice, but one of the other options might be better in some cases. Let's look back to 1993. Windows 3.1 inherited the MS-DOS FAT file system. It supported nested folders and custom file attributes, but few people thought about security in those days. Anybody could read and change any files on the computer. NTFS added Unix-like concepts of file ownership and permissions. Windows XP was Microsoft's attempt to give consumers and enterprise users a single platform, and that required a file system that included security. But wait, as they used to say on late-night television, there's more. NTFS included compression so that users could squeeze more data onto a disk. Compression is disabled by default, but it's easy to enable. If your computer has one or more additional disk drives, choosing NTFS is almost always the best option. The primary exceptions are for USB thumb drives and other solid-state devices. Either FAT32 or Extended FAT are good choices, particularly if the device needs to be used with a macOS computer. Apple's computers can read NTFS drives, but they cannot write files to NTFS devices without the presence of third-party applications. If you're sure a new device will never be connected to any other computer that can't deal with NTFS, choose NTFS because of its clear advantages. Otherwise, think about choosing FAT32 or Extended FAT. I'm a fan of utility applications. You probably already know that. Recently, I encountered System Ninja, which appears deceptively simple, but comes with a lot of power, even though it's free. There is a paid option. I'll get to that in a minute. System Ninja has four tabs, Junk Scanner, System Tools, PC Analysis, and Options. The first tab is a powerful junk file scanner that finds temporary files, various caches and history files, logs, crash dumps, what it calls incompatible files, links to recent files, and more. Among the incompatible files are ones with an ICNS extension. These are icon files used by macOS applications. The files contain one or more images, and they're often installed on Windows computers by applications that have both Windows and Mac OS versions. You don't need them on a Windows computer. The scanner found a surprising number of files. Many of the files were small, but the combined size of 17,216 junk files on my computer was more than 15 gigabytes. 
and that's without the incompatible files, cookies, and configuration files. Some of the files to be removed had a size of zero, but the largest was an 8-gigabyte crash dump. The second tab includes a startup manager, uninstaller, process manager, and duplicate file finder. There's also a section called Additional Tools. It's used to install plugins from the Singular Labs website. The plugins could include a registry cleaner, a function that controls Windows services, a multiple file renamer, a file analyzer, and a utility to identify large files. The third tab includes sections with information about the operating system, computer name and username, a list of physical hard drives and information about each, a list of all logical drives and details about each of those, specifications for the CPU, basic specifications for the motherboard and graphics card, details about the computer's BIOS settings, any attached optical drives, installed memory, and all network adapters. The fourth tab contains settings as to whether you want scans to look only at the boot drive or to scan all drives, inclusions and exclusions for the scans, and a link to documentation for the utility and a support forum. With all the free features, why would anybody want to pay 15 bucks a year to be a member of the Singular Labs Pro Club? Well, because club members get System Ninja Pro with a few extra features, including automatic updates, command line arguments, a portable edition, and a System Notes app. Club members also receive faster support and access to the Pro versions of System Ninja and Singular's other applications. These include the oddly named BZT, B-Z-Z-T exclamation point. It's a little image editor. Process Alive and CC Enhancer. CC Enhancer adds cleaning rules to CCleaner, the application from Piriform. Boost is a simplified image editor that can compress, rotate, resize, and convert images individually or in bulk. And Process Alive monitors system processes and restarts them if they stop. Not bad for 15 bucks a year. So if you'd like more information, visit the Singular Labs website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Spare Parts is free for everyone. Just visit the TechBiter Worldwide website, and this week you'll find these articles. The governor of Missouri says he wants to sue the St. Louis Post-Dispatch because the newspaper alerted the state to a security problem, waited for the state to fix it, and then printed the story. Shoppers are worried that supply chain and delivery delays will create problems with holiday gifts this year, so some started shopping in early October. And 20 years ago, iOmega's high-capacity backup disks were hot, but the market was about to start cooling. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.